to have a healthy, fun sex life, you need to be able to relax. The two go hand in hand. Um, it's, it's really hard to enjoy sex. If you don't have privacy, you don't have time and you can't let yourself get into that parasympathetic state where there is good blood flow going to the genitals and you get aroused. Welcome to the Audacious Founder Podcast. This is a podcast for entrepreneurial women. It's going to help you build confidence, obliterate mental blocks, gain knowledge, and harness the audacity to start your business, grow your business, or just start living your life with a whole lot more fucking audacity than you have been. My name's Melissa Manning. I've founded and co-founded more than 13 businesses in 10 years, and I've got more than 45,000 hours of business operating experience that I want to share with you. And I am here to A, learn more because we're never effing done, and B, get you to a new level. Hi guys, welcome to the Audacious Founder Podcast. I am so excited today to have Megan Stansel with me. She is an orthopedic and pelvic floor physical therapist with four years of treating experience. She's also a yoga instructor with over two decades of experience, and she teaches regularly, regularly at <laughs> Crippaloo Institute in Lenox, Massachusetts in their advanced teacher training program for serving special populations. So I think I will ask her at some point what exactly that means. She is a lover of anatomy, kinesiology, and she is a lifelong lover of science. Originally from Manhattan, my hometown, well, Brooklyn, but close enough, and moved down here to Miami, close to me right before the pandemic in 2020. So she moved right before me. I moved probably like a handful of months after her. She now practices privately and sees patients at her home or at their homes for orthopedic or pelvic floor cases. So hi, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, the other day, I really, we had met before, but the other day, a couple maybe two weeks ago, we really started having a great conversation about pelvic floor, women's issues, um, I don't know, biology, kinesiology, all these allergies. And it was such an amazing conversation that I forced her to come on the podcast. It so. was not a lot of forcing. I was, <laughs> I was eager to do it. Uh, we are both chatty Cathy's. I love to talk and, you know, physical therapists love to teach. So mm -hmm. this is part of, this is in my wheelhouse, this podcast, the whole way that you're helping women and teaching women. I, I love to, to teach. So I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm grateful and very accepting of this teaching. So, yeah. <laughs> so to start off, uh, I think that a lot of us have heard about the pelvic floor, mm -hmm. but I don't think a lot of us have really investigated what exactly it is and why it's important. So that's my first foray into this conversation. What the heck is it? And why should we care? Absolutely. Let's, let's start with a little crash course in your anatomy. Yay. So both men and women have pelvic floors. The pelvic floor is a web of muscles that almost looks like a trampoline. If you were to be a little bug on the floor, looking up right at, at the pelvic floor, it's, it's a trampoline of muscles that are interdigitated or, or woven, which is a very clever design, right? Because when you oh. weave something at angles, it makes it stronger and more resilient, very right? strong. And women, there are three little holes, three openings to the pelvic floor. And in men, there are two. Wait, right? wait, wait, wait. In women, there are three. Oh, okay. Okay. We know this. Yes. 
right? The urethra, <laughs> the vagina and the yes. anus and men have a urethra and an anus, right? Okay. So the, that's what it looks like. That's grossly what the pelvic floor looks like. Yeah. And it's bounded by bony landmarks. So muscles attach to bones. Muscles are what move bones, right? So when we describe the boundaries of the pelvic floor, when I talk about what is it, a web of muscles, now you need to know where is it. So you have your pubic bone in the front. Um, so no one can see us doing this because it's a podcast, but listeners reach down and touch <laughs> the, the, your the pubic front. bone. The pubic bone, right? So it's below your bladder, right? Below like the line of your underwear. Right, because if I just drank two coffees and then (laughs) some lemon water. So if I press on my bladder, I can feel that that's the bladder. Feel it. Yep. And if you ask any pregnant lady where her bladder is, she'll tell you right away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The pressure from the baby pushes on the bladder. That's why women have to pee so much during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So there's the pubic bone in the front. In the back, you have the tip of your spine, which is the tailbone, right? So um, if you're a bendy, you can reach back and feel the the tip of your spine. That's called the coccyx. That's the Mm -hmm. last bone in your spine. So that's the front, the anterior and posterior boundaries of the pelvic floor. And then you have the sides. And if you're sitting on a firm chair right now, you can wobble side to side and you'll feel your two sitting bones, Mm -hmm. right? Those are called the ischial tuberosities for my fellow anatomy nerds. Those four bony points are the bony landmarks of the pelvic floor. And the web is all the space in between there. So a lot of times when people would talk about, and we'll get into depth with this topic in a bit, Kegels, right? That's a word y'all might know, right? Kegels, the squeezing of the um, muscles of the pelvic floor. People think about just squeezing vagina, but actually the pelvic floor is all the muscles contained within those bony boundaries, right? So it's a lot of muscle. It's a big area, actually. Right now. You can fit your hand um, on the pelvic floor. And why do we need a pelvic floor? The pelvic floor is the boundary between all the contents of your innards and the outside world. The pelvic floor keeps all of your reproductive and digestive organs from falling out the bottom. It's incredibly Which happens. Important. She told me that the other day. That happens, guys. Yes. Um, do not freak out listeners. Um, Don't freak out. It is not common, but it does happen and it can be treated and it's called an organ prolapse. (laughs) Prolapse means falls out. Um, so we need the pelvic floor to hold all these internal organs in now. So that's why it's really important. Let's get, let's do a little experiential, uh, play time right now and experience the pelvic floor. Shall we experiencing it this whole time, but sure. Let's go. Let's, let's experience it. So I want you to imagine a ball or a sphere, and it can be any size or color that you like. And I want you to place it where you perceive the pelvic floor to be, or just above it. And as you inhale and expand, I want you to relax the pelvic floor and feel that ball or sphere getting bigger. Mm. And then as you exhale and the air comes out and the ball gets smaller, feel the pelvic floor lifting. Inhale, expand, relax, exhale, lift, contract, the air rushes out. Do that one more time. Inhale, expand, relax, spreading, getting bigger. And then exhale, contracting and getting smaller. Fabulous. And so you'll notice if you open your eyes, um, the breath is intimately linked to the pelvic floor. 
Hmm. Why is that? Because we have two containers in the body. You have the lungs in the chest, and then you have the abdominal organs down below. So there's a thoracic cavity and an abdominal cavity. The thoracic cavity is separated from the abdominal by your diaphragm. So the lungs are in your chest, and then there is a muscle called the diaphragm that's underneath the lungs and right below the diaphragm, which your stomach, your liver, your uterus, your intestines, all of the abdominal contents. And what's below that? Your pelvic floor. So the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are those muscular trampolines that keep the contents from falling out. And they move with the breath. As the ribs expand and the lungs fill with air, the diaphragm goes down. The abdominal organs go down and the pelvic floor goes down. And as you exhale, the air comes out of the lungs, the diaphragm goes up and the pelvic floor goes up. And a very smart PT, smarter than me, one of the great founders of this work that I'm just giving you a little glimpse at called Julie Weeb, coined this term and she calls it the pelvic piston. And the breath and the pelvic floor are related through pressure exchange. And when you have a pelvic floor problem, pain, incontinence, something that would drive you to make an appointment with me, the first place I look is your breathing. Does that pelvic piston work or is there a problem when you listeners <laughs> breathe in, does your stomach go in instead of out? This is called reverse breathing. And we might need to work in a session to fix that. And that can lead to tightness and pain in the mm. pelvic floor. Yeah. I just tried to breathe in and my stomach did go in. Yes. It's called reverse breathing. And Think about it. Now, now we're getting uh, philosophical into the topic of being a woman, but we're always told to suck in our stomachs, right? Uh-huh. Suck it in, spanks, suck it in. Nobody likes to see a gut, big stomach, whatever. So from the time that we were old enough to feel body shame, <laughs> we were sucking in our stomachs. This is the exact opposite thing we should be doing for our pelvic health and our breathing health. We should be letting our body do a shape change when we breathe. Effective breathing is effective shape change. So if you're trying to create a wall of abdominal pressure to suck in your stomach, how do you think that little pelvic floor trampoline can move? It can't. Yes. Tight as a drum. So I have to reprogram a lot of women how to allow the natural breathing rhythm to come in and to that takes a lot of trust and letting go of the shame of what your belly looks like when you breathe. Not even just that, but it's like the clothing that we've worn for so many years is very constricting when it comes to breathing. You know, I'm just thinking about like, sometimes my pants are so tight (laughs) that I can't even, you know, they they are so tight. They are so tight. And, And we don't let ourselves take these deep um, delicious, full diaphragmatic breaths very often, unless we're Um, doing yoga, unless we're in the yoga class. And then, then we have like, that's the, honestly, for me, that's like the one place that I can really think of that I ever do those deep belly out breaths. Have you noticed in yoga class that everyone, when they do Shavasana and they fall on the floor, they go to sleep immediately. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that you're surrounded by strangers on a stinky floor and you're an adult, but you're covered in sweat. It's like nap time in preschool, right? Do you want to know why? Why? It's not that the yoga exercise was so hard. 
It's that when we go into this deep diaphragmatic breathing, we move from the nervous system, the sympathetic state where we're hyper aroused to the parasympathetic state. And in science, we call that the rest and digest state. Mm. So you're going from a state of cortisol dumping, stress, or hyperarousal. Right now, you and I speaking in this podcast, we're in a sympathetic state. We're paying attention. We're alert. But if we were to do that deep diaphragmatic breathing for five or 10 minutes, we would get sleepy and relaxed because we're moving into a parasympathetic state. And that's the state we need to be in for healing. Smoking weed, does that put you in a parasympathetic state? I think it could. Um, the problem is that, um, it will also dehydrate you and not teach you how to work with your breathing. Um, so there are definitely drugs that will relax you benzos, you know, there there's Valium drugs like this relax you, but they don't teach you how to sustain the breathing when you're breathing in and out. And then maybe you get sleepy or you feel at rest, you know, that just reminded me, you know, what the feeling of being high could sometimes feel like, like if you breathe deeply over and over, maybe your, your brain gets a little, Ooh, there is a yoga breathing technique, uh, in yoga, we call the breathing techniques, pranayama, Mm -hmm. prana means life or breath and yama is practice, um, called kapalabhati. And in English, that word means skull shining breath. And it literally makes you feel high and Uh it's a form of hyperventilation. Right. Yeah. And it, and it makes you feel lightheaded. Um, and so, yeah, Kapalabhati will actually give you a woozy dizzy. (laughs) Is that, is that what we want here or no? The breathing techniques, um, in yoga, um, are designed to basically help you transcend the body and unite with spirit. So they were about the union of breath and spirit. So they weren't about feeling a certain feeling in the body. They were about getting out of your body, out of your head and connecting with source. Yeah. So for the purpose of this conversation, we're not trying to, what was it called? The golden head or the skull shining breath? Absolutely not what I said. The skull (laughs) shining breath. No, what I'd love the listeners to try is a practice of lying down and letting their belly move when they breathe. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. That will get you into that rest and digest state. This diaphragmatic breathing is good for um, constipation. It is good for insomnia. Is good for excess gas. Um, It is. It moves things around. It helps things flow. Yeah. Chronic pain. It's fantastic for people who have chronic pain from like low back pain or, you know, low level arthritis, like this this pain that's bothering them. This diaphragmatic breath is good for all that. And it's safe for everyone to practice. There's nobody um, that it's not safe to practice the diaphragmatic breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the first things we work on. Is that the same as breath work? Yeah. Um, Breath, breath work is um, tinkering with the natural rhythm of the breath to either elongate the inhale or the exhale, um, to play with the effect of holding the breath and what that does to the mind and body. Um, And some therapists, I believe, and I'm not a um, psychotherapist, I'm a physical therapist, but I believe they use uh, breathing to help with like rebirthing and trauma work. And Hmm. I think there are different breathing techniques that you can use to work through uh, trauma in the body. In our convo, we talked a little bit about somatic practitioners, okay. um, people that worked with em- embodiment and, and soma. Interesting. I'm wandering away from the pelvic floor, but it is all we'll related. We'll come back. 
Kegels um, is on my list. We'll come back. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, but I can't take off the yoga teacher hat ever. Cause she's, I've done it for so many years. She's right in there. <laughs> There's a, a wonderful book. If y'all are readers, like I am that says the body keeps the score and it, oh, I've talks, heard of this so much. Yes. And it talks about how our experiences in our life, good and bad are like printed in our skin uh-huh. and on our breath. And you, you've noticed we have expressions for this. Like I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath, Yeah, you know, or I can't catch my breath or uh, you'd like, there are all these expressions about breath and emotion um, and they are linked. And a lot of times when people anticipate pain or they're having trauma response, they will hold their breath, you know, suck their breath in and, and hold it. And what I work with in the pelvic floor PT is getting people to breathe and to let go. And I have to pay close attention to my patients and see if they're holding their breath. That's right. Yeah. Because this pelvic floor work, I mean, even the, the, the concept of going to your OBGYN, it can be intimidating. It's very intimate, you know? Well, especially if you have some kind of a trauma that has to do with your genitals then, or, or maybe not even with your genitals, but just being touched, you know, if you have trauma, then going to the gyno, I mean, it's uncomfortable no matter what, at least for me. And so if I had had some sort of a trauma that involved my body in any way, yeah, I think it would be a thousand times harder to get myself there. What I would love to tell your listeners about pelvic floor PT. And I, I like info. I like to know what to expect. So this, this is helpful to know. We don't use stirrups like in an OBGYN's office. You don't come in and we don't have a speculum and the headlamp on and the cold, the cold metal instruments. Yeah. <laughs> you would come into a pelvic floor PT's office and the door would shut and it would be a private room. And then you would just disrobe from the waist down and be covered in a sheet. And then any touching manual work um, is all done with gloved hands by the therapist and can be stopped at any time by the patient, but there are no harsh lights. Um, it's not, uh, we're, we don't, we're not treating, um, your uterus. <laughs> we're dealing with the muscles, which are fairly superficial. Mm-hmm. If you need treatment inside the body, the pelvic floor therapist would put one, um, finger inside of you and work with stretching the muscles teaching you how to contract them volitionally. Sometimes we work with people are very tight. We work with tools that look like a little um, insertion, like a little, a little silicone or non-latex piece that we would put inside to teach you to stretch. Um, and we would do a lot of what looks like classical. Yeah. You had a question. Yes. Oh, the finger. Maybe, yes. Maybe. <laughs> um, my question is, you know, sometimes maybe people need to be, I don't want to say the word stretched, but like sometimes women are very tight down there and sex can be painful. So that could be a reason that someone was to seek out a pelvic floor therapist. So what are other reasons that somebody might seek you out? Great. You just mentioned one of the biggies, which is pain with insertion. And it doesn't just have to be with um, sexual activity. It can be with getting a pelvic exam or putting in a tampon. Mm. If those things hurt. Um, you have a muscle problem most of the time and pelvic floor PT would certainly help. Another reason you would come see us is if you had any leakage of feces or urine, you know, and I'd mentioned this to you when we were talking, there's a kind of a insider dirty secret with CrossFit 
where people say, oh, <laughs> we're going to lift a lot today. Where, where, you know, bring fresh underwear. Cause you're going to pee yourself. <laughs> I'm amazed at how like, Wait, does that happen to men too? Or it's just women? Men too. Yes. <laughs> they have a pelvic Equality. floor. They have a pelvic floor, but, but you should know this urinary leakage with heavy lifting is common, but never normal. Okay. Common, but never normal. You should never leak. And the reasons that you leak are manifold, but one of them is that you can't handle the pressure exchange. Remember we talked about the pelvic piston. If there's too much pressure coming from your abs, your intra-abdominal pressure, right? You lift something heavy. You do the Valsalva maneuver. You brace with your abs. All that force goes down onto your pelvic floor and bladder and pee goes, woo. <laughs> so I have to like teach you how to- you squeeze yeah. it, it's got to go somewhere. You are so right. So <laughs> I have to teach you how to manage your breathing and also how to time the contracting of the pelvic floor so that it works hmm. effectively. But you could also pee and have urinary problems that are not leakage. Mm-hmm. You could have the constant urge to go and not go. It's called urge incontinence. Oh. So and that is, that drives people bonkers where yeah. they feel constantly like I got to go, but then nothing comes out or just yeah. a dribble and yeah. it keeps them up at night. It makes, makes them nervous to go on long car trips because they don't know where the public bathrooms are. And can you imagine living in New York city? You know what it's like to find a public bathroom in no, New it's York. It's disgusting. And then you catch diseases because you touched whatever was in that bathroom. Yeah. You know, every friendly Starbucks <laughs> for like 20 blocks, but it's impossible. So I saw so many people with urge incontinence in New York. I cannot tell you. Yeah. What causes that? Yeah. So interesting. When you are a little kid, you get potty trained, right? You don't know to visit a restroom when you go to the bathroom and you're little, you just go in your pants, in your diaper. As an adult, you have to reverse potty train yourself. I will explain. So interesting. The bladder is lined with smooth muscle called the detrusor. The detrusor is- <laughs> That sounds like a villain in a superhero. Detrusor. <laughs> no, be glad you have it because it tells you when you need to pee. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, so your muscle, your bicep, like you make a fist, you do the Popeye pose. Yeah. That, that, that is a striated muscle that you can contract on purpose. Okay. The detrusor, you cannot contract your bladder on purpose. The bladder has nerve endings that respond to stretch. So okay. a healthy bladder can hold a Starbucks grande worth okay. of liquid. That's not that much. No, no. You should be able to drink like 12 to 16 ounces of water mm-hmm. and that will fill up the bladder. And that's how much urine can be inside the bladder before the bladder sends a signal to the brain, please evacuate the bladder and pee. Okay. Over time, if you go to the bathroom, when you have the slightest urge before the bladder is filled with the Uh, Starbucks worth of you're training, your diatrusis or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) the sense that full is actually a Starbucks tall You're training it right? or an espresso shots worth. Mm-hmm. And so you get an espresso shots worth of liquid in there and you think, ah, must pee. And you are training yourself the wrong way. You're reverse potty training yourself. Gotcha. So that's how I work with people who have urgent incontinence. And I would tell a patient, you should be able to sit through a movie without going to the bathroom. Okay. I can barely do that anymore, but I do drink a lot of liquid. I will say. 
being hydrated is awesome. I will say this about hydration. The bladder likes to have its caffeine cushioned with water. So if you're going to have a delicious coffee, I would never take away coffee. Coffee is a joy. I can't. <laughs> no, I would never do it. But My I one would, true love. But also drink a glass of water. That's During what or before? Um, I, it doesn't matter if it's during or before, as long as both end up inside, you're okay. fine. So it could be after, before, during. Okay. Um, if, you, if you're going to have a bladder irritant, cushion it with water, alcohol also, you know, drinking okay. a lot of beer, alcohol will make you want to pee, add gotcha. water. Gotcha. So we work with people with that urge incontinence and they have to keep something called a bladder diary. And it's not like, dear diary, today, Michael looked at me in the hall. No, <laughs> <laughs> It's 1 p.m. Urge strong. 2 p.m. Went to bathroom. Only two seconds worth of pee. You know, you have to keep a track and you notice, you start to notice how often you're going. And then you try to space out the distance in between and retrain, re-potty train yourself. It's so interesting. And it works. It's really interesting. And it's just, yeah. And it's something that for those of us who are not experiencing problems like that, it's something that we take for granted. So I think it's interesting. And also I feel like if we don't know that that is a thing that happens to people and it is happening to us, we're going to think really bad things about ourselves. Like we're going to feel really shameful about these kind of things. So I think just knowing, Oh, being able to identify, Oh, that's what's happening to me right now. And I'm not the only human being that this happens to. I think that's really nice. Isn't it nice. And, and, you know, I would tell you, um, I think we talked about this too in the conversation. Go to CVS or Dwayne Reed, your your pharmacy near you, and I want you all to take a look at the shelves and see how many incontinence products there are. There will be a wall of Depends, adult diapers. You will see how common this problem is. And we often tell our elderly, oh, you're getting older, you're <coughs> going to have incontinence. And did you know that the number one reason folks go to nursing homes is incontinence? Really? That is the number one reason. You imagine how empowering it would be for the elderly who are still cognitively there and still physically able and have the means to live at home. If they could get a handle on their um, bowel and bladder, they could stay at home a little longer. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you work with older people? Of course, many. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps. And most men who are lucky enough to attain their late seventies and eighties will have some form of prostate, either prostatitis, itis means inflammation. So inflamed prostate or prostate cancer. And when the prostate gets big, it affects the bladder in men. Okay. So a lot of older men have this problem with urinary incontinence and urge incontinence. Um, And I've, I've worked with many, many men who have that problem. Yeah. I love the the thing about CrossFit though, because I think when we think about this, we think of women who've had a child of course. or we think of older people. And so I think it's nice whenever, whenever we see an image of someone who's super fit and we get an urge to feel bad about ourselves nope. in that moment, we could be like, ah, they probably pee themselves. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I'll, I'll tell a, a personal anecdote, personal okay. anecdote. Um, I moved down to Miami right before the pandemic um, because I got a job as a pelvic floor therapist and also Pilates instructor at a Pilates studio Nice down here in Coconut Grove. Um, I was not, I'm a yoga teacher, not a Pilates instructor, but I learned the Pilates equipment and everything 
via Zoom during when we were not open. And I did a, I'm gonna curse, shitload of Pilates. <laughs> I did a lot of Pilates. I did the mat, I did the mat class because I couldn't get into the studio to use the equipment. And I got in probably close to the best shape of my adult life, but I was doing three or four hours of Pilates every single day. Wow. And you know what? I should have taken my own advice. I gave myself such a tight pelvic floor because I wasn't ramping up the way I would have a client ramp up slowly with exercise that I got a tight pelvic floor and I gave myself, I was right on the verge of giving myself stress incontinence of the pelvic floor Hmm. because it was so tight and I had to work with myself and use all the skills I know to relax it. Cause think about it. If you're working on tight abs, tight abs, constant core, 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 and you're not stretching and lengthening, you're going to get everything tight. You're going to get way too tight. We need a responsive body. Mm-hmm. Muscles that can contract when we want them to, and then let go when we're not crossfitting, Pilatesing, whatever we're doing. We need them yeah. to be relaxed. Um, there's a wonderful book. Again, I keep referring to books, but I love them. Uh, called the Supple Leopard. Ooh. And the Supple Leopard is about being like an animal body that's uh, fast and strong, but also loose and relaxed when it doesn't need to be fast and strong. But it, that's the goal. That yeah. is the goal. Supple leopard is fantastic. Yes. So but then you, you get in the habit, right? You're, you're like, okay, I need to get faster and stronger. And you work on that and you forget about the, the other stretching two. And, and releasing. Yeah. 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 Or vice versa. I would some, some helpful little tips. And we also love to shop. So this is like little shopping ideas for your listeners. Um, have you all heard of the squatty potty? <laughs> I've heard of it. I think it was on Shark Tank. I'm not sure. I think that might be where I saw it. Yeah. But it's like a little um, ledge that you, it's like a stool for a midget that you put underneath the Uh, toilet. You put your feet on it and it's for for pooping posture. Well, you know, because, and I remember seeing like images or videos or something of people in that live in tribes in mm-hmm. like, you know, in the forest or something. And, and that's how they go to the bathroom. So when you go into a deep, deep, deep squat, like in CrossFit, they call it astagrass, like a deep squat, your pelvic floor stretches. Huh. You, you can't help, but next time you go into a deep squat like that, you can't help but feel it. And a lot of or goddess pose, does goddess that- pose is it. Exact okay. mundo. When a lot of people in other countries wait for the bus in that position, eat their lunch in that position, chill out in that position, work I've in that I've seen images of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's only here in the West where we are obsessed with chairs and sofas <laughs> that we lose that ability, but we should, if we are healthy, be able to sit and rest and squat that way. Yeah. Um, so it puts you in the perfect position when you're squatting um, for your um, canals to be opened up so that you defecate easily. So the squatty potty is replicating being in a squat. You do not need to buy the squatty potty. If you're cheap like me, you can use yoga blocks. <laughs> you can use anything that will elevate your feet to get you into a bit of a squat posture. So that is a really nice thing to have to stretch the pelvic floor and to help you go to the bathroom without any pushing or forcing, which is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Squatty potty. We love that. Coffee just helps me out. So. <laughs> That'll help you too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about Kegels. Oh yes, please. Everyone's, everyone has heard of the Kegel. Uh, we've heard things like um, do it every day, 
you know, uh, oh, you're, you're pregnant and going to have a baby, start kegeling like crazy, you know, need to get your, your pelvic floor strong. Mm -hmm. This is not true for everybody. As we've been talking about having a relaxed, responsive pelvic floor is where it's at. So I would say that 80% of the people I see have a too tight pelvic floor, 20% not strong enough. Think about that. The majority of people, pelvic floor is over-recruited, is too tight. Yeah. Only about 20% need the Kegels. Right. If it's too, right. If it's too tight, then Mm -hmm. they don't need, you don't need to Kegel. You're already tight as all get out. Right. But some people do need to Kegel, right? Some, like if you've had a vaginal birth and you had a big old baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you want everything to go back to where it was, you may need to Kegel. If you have had a pelvic organ prolapse, you might need to learn how to Kegel, mm-hmm. right? Um, or if you are um, very, very overweight um, and there's a lot of pressure down on the pelvic floor, you might need to learn how to Kegel. So to perform a Kegel, you want to think, think about the anatomy of the pelvic floor. It's like a trampoline, right? Or like an umbrella. You want to think about on the exhale as the air is rushing out, lifting that pelvic floor up. And the cue that I usually give people is um, squeeze as if you would prevent yourself from passing gas, Mm -hmm. which makes everything recruit, right? The anus, everything is recruited. Everything is lifting. That's an effective Kegel. You want to make sure when you Kegel, you don't do it on the inhale. Why? Because the pelvic floor pressure is moving down the lungs are expanding, the diaphragm's descending, the pelvic floor is descending. So you want to Kegel on an exhale. And a great time to practice a Kegel is when you're lifting something heavy. Because if you think about it, you've got your abs working and your pelvic floor working. That's another set of muscles that are helping you perform the lift. Mm -hmm. So a Kegel could be very useful for people that are into weightlifting or are moving their friend's apartment and have to lift a couch. <laughs> yeah. I'm moving next month. So, yep. Aha, there you go. Bingo. So Kegel, Kegel is good for you. Just think contract with the exhale. Okay. That's a Kegel. Right. And that's why, I mean, I'm just thinking about like when you're doing squats or when you are lifting, like in the gym lifting that you're supposed to breathe out as you are, are Rising. lifting that weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that helps that manage aligns. the pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about if you're tight or maybe you're a little loose down there, mm-hmm. you might have to do Kegels, but like, this is for sex also. How does this stuff get Great. incorporated with sexual activity? Such a good question. So happy sexual activity is happy blood flow, right? Mm. That's arousal is the process of the genitals becoming filled with blood, right? We can't, we don't have good blood flow, healthy blood flow. We can't really orgasm, right? You need to be able to get blood to go to your genitals. So all this breathing work, this stretching, this relaxing, um, or, or if needed contracting is helping with blood flow. So it's going to make for more pleasurable sex. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a type of sex that, um, requires insertion, um, either into the vagina or the anus, then working on stretching muscles that are overly tight will make sexual activity more pleasurable for you. Usually I have patients start with um, get receiving manual work from me where with my hand, I will stretch and show them then how to do for themselves. And they can treat themselves with their own finger 
or there's a really great tool called the crystal wand, which sounds very Harry Potter, right? The wand. It does. It, it does. It's shaped like an S and you hold on to the handle and it can go in and pinpoint different muscles in the pelvic floor. Isn't that cool? That sounds painful. No, this is so cool. So see your index finger, right? I'm going to give you a, a visual of what's going to happen in a pelvic floor session. See your first knuckle after your fingertip nail. Uh-huh. That's the first layer of the pelvic floor. That's how deep I insert my finger. Okay. Look how tiny that is. Tiny. Well, because also it's only like two inches long anyway, isn't it? It's a little longer, but okay. you're, you're not far off. Okay. So this, this is the first layer of the pelvic floor. This is how, how far in I go. Look how little that is. Yeah. Second layer is the second knuckle. Mm-hmm. The third layer is the last knuckle. Okay. So we work when we, when we treat, we start with layer one. So only in this much, it's tiny. Then we go to layer two, then we go to layer three and the three layers. I'm talking about female anatomy here. Women have yeah. three men only have two layers, poor men. We have three. So <laughs> each layers works around a, a different opening, right. And is, is structured. We talked about like that basket weaving in a different direction. Yeah. So we have to find which muscles are tight and, um, have trigger points and then which okay. ones need to be released. It's almost like when you have a knot in your neck, yes. right. Or in your back, you have, yeah. you can feel that knot. So it's the same down there. Cause it's a muscle. It, it is. It's fascinating. Yeah. And you know what else women who've had babies and had episiotomies where they had to, you're going to shiver, but cut to make yeah. more room for the head and shoulders to come out. Yeah. They can have a scar and yeah. scars when they knit up, they're full of collagen, Are really they're- tight. They're tight. They're meant to yeah. not move. And you can benefit from scar work to loosen up your scar. Right. It's basically just like a lot of massage, right? Exactly. That's yeah. right. And I can teach people how to do it for themselves mm. so that they can massage that scar and get more movement in the pelvic floor. How does having that kind of a scar down there? I, I don't have that, so I can't speak from my mm-hmm. own experience, but like, how does that affect you when you're having intercourse? You may feel a burning feeling. If your scar is being stretched, a scar tissue, usually this is what it's people have reported to me and what I felt in my body. When a scar is being pulled on, it burns. You know what? I, I had a C-section, so mm-hmm. I have a scar there and obviously I have an internal scar on my uterus Are you talking about your abdomen. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while I'll have like a pinching feeling. It'll yeah. feel like it's inside my body. And I was really scared about it at a certain point because I thought that it was like my uterus where this, the cut was made. I thought it was like tearing or something, Mm -hmm. but then somebody told me probably the gyno, um, it was probably just the scar tissue and that it was so tight right there. And that I was moving in a certain way that was, you know, pulling at it, but it's tight. So like, it's not comfortable. You can treat it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I forget where I was going with that, but you mentioned the front of the body. You got me, you got me on one of my favorite things. I won't go too far afield, but pregnant women often have diastasis recti. Have you heard of this, the diastasis? No. And I'm scared to ask what it is. <laughs> it's not terribly scary. Um, you have your stomach muscles, your rectus abdominis, you, you know, them as your six pack. Okay. I don't have that, but sure. Uh, underneath <laughs> all the layers, the layers. No, I don't have a six pack. I mean, 
<laughs> the layers of croissants, everyone has breakfast abdominal. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the baby, as it grows, presses your abdomen out into space, right? That's that big belly. So the rectus, which is organized vertically, gets stretched and it can separate. Yeah. It That's why you can literally see the different, like yep. you can see the chunks. So sometimes a pregnant lady can stick her finger no, into no. her stomach and see a little valley. And um, it's very normal. Um, when she gets up out of bed, she may see a bulge, even though she's not pregnant. That's the um, internal organs bulging through the little gap. Ooh. No panic. You're not going to die. But diastasis is, is something that we treat. I think one of the best things pelvic floor PTs can treat because it's our wheelhouse, right? We're the muscle people. Like, Wait, so we, the diastasis is when the organ is coming? Like The diastasis describes the break in the tissue, the okay. break in the fascia where the two walls, I'm doing a gesture, yeah. like I'm looking through curtains, right. the two walls of the rectus abdomini se separate. And um, so now the organs are not protected because it's just a thin layer of skin. Right. They're bulging right. forward, right? Ooh. Because the fascia that had everything connected, it was stretched by yeah. the pushing from the inside. It can also happen to a man or woman with a very um, obese stomach mm -hmm. that, that pressure from the inside can stretch and separate the rectus, but I mean, not number, worry, it can be fixed. Well, number one, the body is so freaking cool. I never even thought about that. How we have those, they're like different muscles in the stomach. I mean, you're using all the technical terms. I'm just going to say it like yeah, yeah, there are all the, but it's, I mean, at least for women that I'm sure that is why we're able to have our stomachs get so big during pregnancy because we, ha we have those muscles that can separate muscles right? can separate and skin can stretch it's and incredible. The connective tissue, which is the fascia can stretch. And then it can just go right back and, to normal. And then if you're lucky, it goes zoom right back, but yeah. if it doesn't, and you have a diastasis, okay. That is something that a pelvic floor PT can fix. Yeah, We can it's, fix it's it amazing. with exercise. And I think everything can be fixed. Yes. Almost. I mean, I, I, I feel like saying that is, is insensitive, but like, I feel like the body is so miraculous that all of these issues that we've sort of been told, you need medication, you need blah, blah, you need surgery, you need all of these things, but they can be fixed because the body is that magical. When I went to PT school, I didn't know that pelvic floor PT existed. I thought that a physical therapist worked with like an injured athlete on a sports team, helped someone with a bad back, helped somebody, right. you know, I thought, I thought Shoulder it was injuries. Yeah. I thought it was all orthopedic. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that we could treat the pelvic floor, I was amazed because well, it's so mysterious and interesting. You can't see it. Why is it mysterious right? though? That is my question. We have been around just as long as men have been around, but yet we don't know squat about why we should do squats. We don't know anything about our genitals, about our, like the way our bodies are different than men. Like we, it's been taboo to know about these things, you know? And so pelvic floor therapist, I didn't know what that was until I, maybe until I watched goop, which mm. was like last year, you know, right. Don't, don't put the, uh, the, the vaginal egg in you, Gwyneth. Oh. It's, it was a great way to give yourself horrible bacterial infection, but I just want to, just want to shout that out. There are things you can insert and weights and, and, um, 
and expanders, but they're, they're made of medical grade silicone and you can sterilize them. What is the difference between a, using a weight down there and doing Kegels? Perfect. It's the exact same difference between you, you, you set me up beautifully, a squat <laughs> with no weights and a squat holding a kettlebell. Okay. So okay. Kegel is the contraction, like an air squat with no resistance. And the weight is holding something heavy and moving around. Okay. So if you're yeah, trying to so take your, your Volvo workout to the next level, the next level, but remember what we've been talking about, you don't want to get too tight. You want right. to be, have a responsive pelvic floor. Right. So if you walk Loose around, and relax fast and strong. Yeah. Do not, do not wear that, that egg to your meetings. <laughs> wear, wear one of the like travel vibrators to your meetings. Hello. Do you know what they have that is so cool? Um, I'm not sponsored by this company in any way, but um, I want to be. It is interesting, so I'm going to plug them. Um, LV, there is an app now that you can use. An app okay. that comes with it looks like a the, the the Gwyneth Paltrow egg, which is what made me think of it. A little string, and it has uh, sensors inside, and you insert it, and then you can practice your Kegels. And on your phone, what? the app what? will get a butterfly flying in the air. And if you're doing a Kegel, the butterfly goes up, 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 up. And then when you relax, it goes down, 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 down. Oh my God. It's really cool. I'm not going to lie. I got one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm on wearable.com. Cause that's the LV. first thing that came up. It's, it's LV, like an elf LV. Yeah. Like I, I was looking up L the letters L and V. No, it's so cool. Improving the, our pelvic floor muscles one squeeze at a time. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna find a link for this and put it in the show notes. What is um, at, at my training, Herman and Wallace is where I trained for my pelvic floor knowledge. It's post grad stuff. Um, they they had all these these little products that we could show and sell our customers, and L, the LV was one of them. And I saw that there was an app, and I said they have gamified working out your pelvic floor. Genius. the most Never. genius. It is super fun. I, I love it. Um, it's a great way. It's a great tool. And, you know, you can use it to downtrain the pelvic floor, which is what I used it for back to the personal anecdote about getting super tight while doing all that crazy Pilates. Uh-huh. I, I use the LV to learn to relax. So when the butterfly goes down, you're relaxing because your, your muscles are letting go of the device. I love it. I'm, I'm pumped. And it's of course, I mean, it has to be women owned and it is. So I'm pumped about that. And I want to try to get her on the podcast. New mission. How interesting. You can tell, tell them they got a unsolicited pelvic floor therapist plug. I will. And maybe they'll send you some free product. I'm just plugging that. See, they're they're great. Something that we mentioned last time that I thought was really interesting was issues in other countries for women. Interestingly enough, you, you, we all know the American healthcare system, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. You give birth and then you have to go right back to work. Mm-hmm. If you are even lucky enough to get a generous paid medical leave, yeah. but in some countries, France is one of them that leaps to mind immediately. And also the Nordic countries, you get a visit from pelvic floor physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Isn't that incredible? Yes. We'll come to you and they will help you rehab your pelvic floor after you've given birth. I think that that should be mandatory. All women should should be mandatory. And and like I said before, hearing you say rehab the pelvic floor is something that I never even thought about, never considered. 
-hmm. Like, I didn't even know that I didn't even know that that was something that existed. This is why a lot of women don't have great sex. This is why a lot of women are dealing with issues that they just feel gross or shameful about because talking about this stuff, number one, is not common enough. Right. And our society doesn't really encourage that. You know, like we don't get those visits. Like the doctor doesn't even tell you, hey, you should look into getting this after you give birth. I had a baby. Nobody, a woman delivered my baby. There were women nurses all around me. Nobody mentioned anything about how do you fix yourself afterwards. It would be so nice if people knew that this was an option. Yeah. And also, like you said, that the question, am I normal? This is such a huge, important question. When, when I did my training, I had a great instructor. She was Irish. Um, I love to imitate her accent because it was so cute. And she was like, right, we're going to show you an art exhibit first thing, because everyone wants to know, is my vagina normal? (laughs) And she put this slideshow up and there's an art exhibit um, called the Great Wall of Vagina. Oh, I want Nicole to do something like that. There was an artist. Um, a male artist though, who did, did molds, these cast molds of everybody's vulvas. I would consider that sexual harassment. I'm just saying. (laughs) They consented. They consented. It's just molds of the vulva and it's a wall of plaster casts of all these women. And it is incredible. You can see every shape and size, the labia inside the body, hanging outside the body, um, a big, small, like every single variety you can think of. It looks like looking at seashells on a beach. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm looking at it. And it, are you looking it at it now? It is a great wall. It is it's very great large. Wall. Link oh my that God. For, your, for your listeners. It is, is so crazy. cool, but ladies, like it is so empowering to know that oh you my. are normal and the range of what is normal. These are real women that were, so there just in. is no normal, you know, like there is no normal. There is no perfect. There's, There's no, no one way. There's no one way. Our anatomy is as many variations as seashells on the beach. And uh, it breaks my heart when I hear about things like vaginoplasty and these these vagina makeovers and things they do. It's mm-hmm. And also, I will say, like, again, talking beauty now, everyone here in Florida has a Brazilian. Mm. I have seen so many women here, and maybe it's because it's the beach life, that have no pubic hair. It's, yeah. it's surprising to me. Yeah. But But ladies, like, just know, like your pubic hair is there for a reason. (laughs) I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this. It protects you for the love of God. Like wear cotton underwear, please. This is from your pelvic floor therapist. Either wear no underwear or wear cotton underwear. Mm -hmm. Okay. And please preserve some of your pubic hair because it's there to protect that delicate skin. It's, it serves a function. It really does. Maybe trim it with like clippers or scissors, but you don't, don't remove it all. It's maybe, maybe it might feel nice, but it, it serves in an adult male and female, the pubic hair serves a purpose. So I'm just, I'm interested in the health of Mm -hmm. your genitals. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I have a couple questions. These are questions that I ask to everybody. Oh, great. At the end of every episode. First one is what does audacity mean to you? Mm, that's someone who thinks differently than the herd and is not afraid to take action mm. or to speak up 
um, it's someone who's going against the flow. And when I think audacious, I think someone who is not always well received. <laughs> they they um, they have uh, they get backlash. They get backlash. They, there's an element of controversy. Right, and they have to who, persist. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's someone who's audacious. When it comes to the pelvic floor and when it comes to sexuality, what do you wish women would do or think differently about themselves? Don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Ask questions of your healthcare providers until you get an answer that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to seek out information. Don't be afraid to talk to other women about their experiences. Um, speak up and advocate for yourself. Uh, pain, incontinence, uh, displeasure with sex because of pain or any reason, these, these things are common, but they're not normal. So don't be afraid to keep asking and keep pushing until you get the information you need. We had an incredibly um, poignant and sad, but beautiful class um, about, we t- you mentioned at the beginning of my bio, special populations right? Uh, That I teach yoga. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the special populations that we treat in physical therapy are people with spinal cord injuries. We saw a documentary about a man who was a quadriplegic, but he was still interested in sex and he experienced pleasure by having his lips and cheek touched. And that was sex for him. So know that there's such a wide spectrum of sexuality and getting pleasure from sex. It doesn't have to be genital to genital. Sexual expression for humans has such a wide range. I want women, women to know that and to continue to explore their sexuality throughout their lifetime. There is no um, expiration date to your sexuality. You can continue to be a sexual being up until the end of your days. Ooh, I hope that's me. Yeah, find pleasure and joy in your body. And um, solo or with a partner, don't be afraid to explore either way. Um, During this pandemic, a lot of us have been celibate, not by choice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but by circumstance. And I hope that women have felt free to experiment with solo sex or solo pleasure. Uh, Don't be afraid to always see what feels good in your body and explore that in a safe, safe way. Yeah. For me, like for a while, there was a period of time where I thought that I just didn't enjoy sex. I tried to get comfortable with that. And I tried to just, you know, come to terms with that and just be like, okay, well, I'm somebody who's not sexual. And then over time, I discovered that that just wasn't the case, that it was a set of circumstances. I think it was a lack of information, a lack of exposure. And then over time, I started to learn about other things. I started to experiment with other people. And, and I realized that that is absolutely not the case. It's something that I want women to think about if they are in a, a moment in time where they feel like they're not finding pleasure in what they're doing, you know, or with who they're doing it, mm-hmm. that they shouldn't put themselves in a box of like, oh, well, I don't enjoy this. So I must not be a sexual being. I want them to know that maybe they can go to a pelvic floor therapist and find a solution that there is some sort of a change or some sort of information that will very likely help them find what it is that will give them the pleasure that they deserve. Like, I think a lot of women just whatever, you know, like it's not that big of a deal to me. I can do without. And I don't, 
I don't think that that's the way to live. I don't want to live that way. And I want other people to feel empowered and audacious enough to explore solutions. I couldn't agree more. I tell women when they're coming with difficulties sexually, a lot of times it's pain related. I will say when you're practicing your pelvic floor work on yourself, you really need to realize that women, their body, their sexuality is, is complex. Mm -hmm. We need to be in a place with a door that locks. (laughs) If you're doing like this manual stretching, this work on yourself, you need to be, first of all, you need privacy. How many women, how many of your listeners live in a home with kids and maybe a partner or maybe roommates? Like we don't have a room of one's own. Yeah. When do they get 10 minutes to themselves? Imagine. So, so you expect to get aroused, bam, to relax, bam, you need to have privacy and, and you need to have quiet. I tell them to put, make themselves comfortable with pillows under the legs and their back. Uh, I tell them to use lots of lubricant. I feel like that's taboo too. If a woman wants to use it, then she's telling the man that he's not turning her on enough. I feel like men sometimes are so much more sensitive than (laughs) women. And I feel like they get offended by that. I listen to sex podcasts and all of them always are saying, use all the lube, use all of it. It's, it's so important. Um, and, and this is, this is even for pelvic floor work where you may be inserting a finger or a tool to help you stretch the pelvic floor muscles. Um, if you don't use lubricant, then you're going to create more friction and friction is pain. So please use all the lubricant. Um, but just, this is just the setup even to work on your pelvic floor. We're not even talking about with another being, if you're having sex with another person or persons, you need, you need to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our society is set up so that there's not a lot of safe space for women to relax. Mm -hmm. Just know this. I think to have a healthy, fun sex life, you need to be able to relax. Mm -hmm. The two go hand in hand. Um, It's it's really hard to enjoy sex if you don't have privacy, you don't have time, and you can't let yourself get into that parasympathetic state where there is good blood flow going to the genitals and you get aroused. So carving out time for your sexuality is a gift you can give yourself. Mm -hmm. Time in a safe space to explore it. And foreplay because you need time for that blood flow. Yes, of course. Right. It's so important. I, I think that um, masturbation and exploring your own body is, is part of your health. You know that having an orgasm releases uh, pain-killing chemicals in your body. It releases endorphins. And that um, orgasm is actually a great treatment for a lot of chronic pain. Yes. Enough. You know, if you suffer from like really bad period cramps, um, you can try masturbating and having an orgasm and see how that treats the pain. I've heard that cramps. before. Yeah. It can help. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting, right? We're, we're, we're overcoming all these taboos, but women's pleasure is something that is also not studied enough in the literature. I wish that I, you know, could, could have read a lot more studies about female orgasm, about um, the G spot, the clitoris. Like, I want to know more about female arousal mm-hmm. and how how it works from an anatomical standpoint. And there just hasn't been that much research about it. Yeah, and as you say that, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to learn about that too. But think about all the research about Viagra, mm-hmm. tons and tons and tons. Where's our Viagra? I would like to know. Right. 
if there's one thing that you wish you knew growing up, what would it be? You mentioned already like having more access to information about orgasm and your anatomy and things like that. But Mm -hmm. is there anything else? Related, related to pelvic floor. I wish I'd seen, I wish I'd seen that great wall of vagina. I wish, I wish I'd seen that we are so unique and that the range of normal and what's out there is so wildly different. Mm -hmm. Um, women do a lot of comparison with other women. Like, Mm -hmm. do I look like her? Are my, are my boobs bigger and smaller? Are my hips bigger or smaller? And this is something where women don't go around comparing vaginas, but I would just like, well, what is normal? But I have heard, and I think I got this from a a sex podcast that in porn, they mess with the vaginas of the actresses to make them look, you know, the picture perfect version of what somebody said it should look like small and tight and like whatever. But so people do have this idealistic version of what it's supposed to look like. They get that from porn, I guess but it's not accurate in any way, shape or form. And aren't all the women in porn completely hairless? Mm-hmm. This is another thing. Um, I got divorced in 2012 and had not been on the dating or on the, the apps because I'd been married for many years. Yeah. And then when I started dating um, and using the apps and learning about it, the men, when I came back into the dating world, what they expected sexually, what they were into, it was such a shock to me because mm-hmm. I'm pre-Brazilian, I'm pre-porn, right? <laughs> and now it's so ubiquitous, the type of sex that I've experienced personally with like that men want to have, the the look of women, like it, porn has really leaked into and affected our sexuality in such a huge way yeah. of what we consider now commonplace. Right. It's wild. Well, what I'm excited about is that there's more women going into that industry as producers and directors. Yes, and, me too. And yeah. And so as we continue on, there's just going to be things that are healthy, mentally healthier for us to be exposed to, you know, things that are going to be more empowering, things that are going to be more inclusive. We don't have to only be looking at porn. Like there's this one company that I've heard a lot about recently, and I even contacted them to see if they would sponsor my event, but they didn't even respond. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's women owned and it's called Dipsy and it's like dirty audio stories. Oh, how yeah. fun. Yeah. I definitely think it's a really cool concept and a really cool company. And I, I want to learn more about them. I want to interview them, the owners, but Isn't that interesting? And that speaks to like female sexuality. Like we are more complex. We don't just need a picture Mm -hmm. of people. We're not just visual. We're auditory, imagination, smells, setting. Women's sexuality is multifactorial. It's very Mm -hmm. layered and sophisticated. So yeah, reading erotica, listening to erotica, those are all things that could be part of exploring your healthy sexuality. Why not? Yeah. I wanted to tell you one, one, one more thing from my bio that is, that is interesting. I won't go too far off the beaten path, but the yoga for special populations. Yeah. Yeah. So before I was a pelvic floor physical therapist, Mm -hmm. I was a plus size model in New York. That's why I lived in New York. And I started a yoga school for plus size people. Whoa. 
and I ran the school for many years in the flower district in New York. Um, and it was called mega yoga. I wrote a book called mega yoga. I have a couple DVDs, all yoga modified for large bodies. That's actually how I became a physical therapist because I would have large yoga students that would get injured because they'd mm-hmm. start exercising and push it and get hurt. And I'd send them to PTs to get better. And then they'd come back. And I said, screw that. I want to fix them. So that's why I became a physical therapist. Amazing. So I, I teach yoga at Kripalu in Massachusetts for large bodies. And I train teachers how to modify poses for big students. You don't teach it here in Miami? Nope. I don't, the, 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 I'm, I'm old to teaching yoga, but new to PT. I've only been practicing. I graduated in 2018 for four years and it is so complicated and hard to do, but I wanted to give myself a couple of years of just doing PT before okay. I go back into the yoga. Okay. Um, cause I'm using all my brain power <laughs> for the PT, yeah. but my, my, this is my dream and my goal is to open up my own studio that combines yoga with physical therapy. That's, that's ultimately where I'm headed professionally. I want to combine my two skill sets, bring them together, which is why I became a PT in the first place. And I want to serve that population specifically. I want extra large treatment beds to accommodate large people. Wow. Yeah. I want to have like stairs that go up to the bed so they can get onto the treatment beds. I want to create an environment for healthcare that includes this population of large people that have been excluded or felt uncomfortable going to doctor's offices. So that's, that's my, my dream. That's amazing. Yeah. That actually you're, you're saying all my questions before I ask them to you. (laughs) That's one of my questions. What's your biggest, most audacious goal? That's my goal. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to do something that's never been done before. There, there is no physical therapy just for the obese. Um, there's, there's no pelvic floor therapy for that population specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to create a space that, uh, patients can find me at that's very welcoming and size inclusive. Um, because I feel like these, this population can really benefit from Absolutely. PT and I would love, love, love to be their, their therapist and their advocate. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I used to own a yoga studio in New York also. Really? Yeah. Where was yours? It was in Ridgewood in right at the border of Bushwick. Oh, how cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring in pelvic floor. This is a part of your body that you carry around with you every day and to face it, to engage with it, to deal with your health, your sexuality, um, your biology can be frightening and exhilarating. Um, but once you've mastered this part of your body, you will feel so proud of yourself, you know? Yeah. And the first step in that, which is something we talked about last time was getting that little handheld mirror and look at yourself and getting into your little squat, your little goddess pose and taking a peek. Yeah. (laughs) Take a look. And if, and if if that's even too scary, look at the the great wall of vagina art project, get inspired other women's vulvas and see you know, what the range of the range of normal and know that you are normal and wondrous and complex and it's going to be okay. <laughs> and aren't, and aren't you lucky to uh, have this body part to be able to, to see it? It's incredible. The more I learn about it, the more I am just blown away. My favorite part of PT school is macabre, but it was my favorite part was the cadaver lab. 
where we got to see the anatomy um, up close. It was fascinating. And I will tell you, it was for me poetic. It was, I went home like overwhelmed with beauty. I guess that maybe that's not everyone's response, but mine, mine was, so I, I identify as like not religious. Uh I say I'm a scientist, I'm a agnostic slash atheist, like was not raised in a religious tradition, but it was a religious experience for me. Wow. I, I would come home every day and just write about the beauty of what I saw in those bodies. But what exactly was beautiful? Like not the tissue, but the systems of how the body works. What was beautiful about it? I've always been curious, like what would the ocean look like if all the water came out and you could see what was huh. inside? Okay. And I've always been curious, what if I could see inside the body? Mm-hmm. It's something that's there, but it feels like it should be veiled. You shouldn't be able to see inside. And then I was able, the veil was taken off and I was able to look inside the body and to see how complicated it was, Yeah, how complicated it was, but every part had a function and a purpose right. and how everything was interconnected. It was miraculous. Yeah. I thought I can never look at some like random person on the street and not see this web that all this complexity on the inside I love that. again the the little skin suit we wear is yeah. boring compared to what's happening on the inside it is amazing how is this all working it was fascinating and there was this moment so when they when they give you a cadaver to work with in med school or pt school they cover the face and the hands Okay. Because they say that those are the most intimate parts and the most disturbing for a student to see. Huh. Isn't that interesting? The yeah. face and the hands, that's the most human, the most intimate. Right. And with our cadaver, when we removed the covering on her hands, we had a woman, we had the same nail polish. Oh my God. That is, that's creepy. It was like one of those hold your breath moments. Like, Oh, we have, we both had the same it was, it was Essie Mademoiselle. <laughs> and I went home and I wrote and I just free wrote about it. I was like, she is me. I am her. This is amazing. And I'll, I'll just end the story with this. The people that give their body to science, they were all teachers in life. How Whoa. beautiful is that? They continue to teach even after their passing. And because of that, I am now an organ donor. And I am also going to give my body to science because of the gift they were able to continue to teach even after they had passed away. How lovely, what a gift they gave. Yeah. And and it's not only that they were continuing to teach and that they helped you in your journey of learning, Mm -hmm. but they're helping you help, you know, make an impact on countless people. So it's like every, every person you treat is a tribute back to them. And then it's a tribute, you know, to all the experience they had when they were alive and all the people that taught them and every, I think the, the lesson or the, you know, the, um, yeah, the lesson about it, I guess, is just that it's, everything is just that full circle, you know, everything is connected. That was the beauty of it. It Uh was, it was the most kind of selfless teaching you could ever think of that they gave us their bodies to learn on and see the mystery that no one's allowed to see. No one's allowed. No one, no one looks beyond the, the skin, what to sees what lies beneath, but we were allowed to see that. And it, it will stay with me for the rest of my life. It was a beautiful experience. 
it was it was macabre, but it was beautiful, and I loved it. And the the human body is complicated in ways I can't even imagine. It was just, it was amazing. But it's it's it is beautiful. It's beautiful how everything, like you said, is it just works perfectly in harmony. I mean, as long as everything's tuned up, right? It's mm-hmm. or that's how it was built. It was built that this has a job and this has a job and this has a job, and it all works perfectly together to keep us running. I was actually also listening to a podcast um, yesterday or the day before where they were talking about how a lot of people believe that we can actually extend life many, 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 many years further. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it comes back to like, how are, how are our bodies supposed to be running and how can we do all of these things to keep them running the way they are supposed to? And how can we keep ourselves enjoying life. I like too that you're, you can look at a human being now and you can be like, okay, I may not like what I'm seeing on the surface, but I know how miraculous your body is on the inside. Yeah. And, and, and how we don't even know. I don't even know. And, and you know what? Also the things that were surprises, we had a very big cadaver who had tiny little heart and we had a very big, you know, like the, the opposite of big and small, uh-huh. like we had that. We had somebody who was um, missing. What were they missing? Was it a gallbladder? It, they were, or was it an appendix? They were missing an organ. They probably yeah. lived their whole life and didn't know. Yeah. How fascinating is that? Like there are multitudes inside of you that you don't know about. That is so interesting to me. But also like, what if you know that your heart organ is smaller in mm-hmm. comparison to somebody else's or in comparison to your body or larger, mm-hmm. how might you adjust your activity throughout your life. Like interesting, right? Yeah. Maybe you avoid certain activities because you know, your heart is smaller and I don't even know if that makes a difference, you know, but like how, if we know these things, if we're, if we know that these are questions that we could or should be asking, how might that alter our day-to-day lives? It's that, that fascinates me. And to also see that, you know, we, we have names for body parts, right? We, we talked about the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. That's an umbrella term that um, encompasses three sets for women of three layers of muscles for men, two layers, right? But we only separate out these muscles and give them Latin names based on where they start and where they end from bone to bone, right? And we are all actually one tissue. When we start out in the beginning of life, little blastocyte, and then an embryo where we are, cells that are dividing, dividing, and dividing, but we start as one tissue. And then we go brain tissue, nervous system, circulatory system, muscular system, digestive system. We actually start as a tube and at the top is the mouth and at the bottom is the anus. And then we get limb buds that come off the arms and legs from the tube. And it's interesting because when I saw the cadavers and we were working with them, I saw that the tissue is all touching. It's all connected. It's so sandwiched. Everything is tightly compressed in there. There's a lot of intra-abdominal pressure, the organs, the ribs, they're held tightly. You are wrapped like a beautiful present. In like many, a burrito. Many, you are, you are in many, many, many layers. Um, but we only give things different names. I think when a patient comes to pelvic floor, or a woman who is having trouble with her sexuality, her genitals, you may feel separate from that part of your body. Mm. You may feel like, oh, I have such a problem with my insert body part here, but you really are connected. 
you are connected to this body part is connected to other body parts that maybe give you pleasure. And one of the things I try to do for my patients is find what works in a session. Can I leave you with the feeling that oh, I took a breath and it didn't hurt? Mm. <laughs> oh, I moved my leg in this way and it didn't hurt. I want you to also focus on what's going right with your body and how miraculous it is. I, I digested my food and it came out the other end as waste and it was not a problem. What a miracle. Like, <laughs> yeah. like how wonderful, you know, I got through take it for granted. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. it's we, we take it for granted, but there, yeah. you may be suffering from a health problem when you come to one of us. Um, but there's so many things about your body that are going right. Yeah. that um, to give thanks for that, because it, it truly is miraculous that it's working. One of the things that doctors wish patients knew, this is like a, an insider don't need you. industry secret, <clears throat> but not so secret. But yeah. one thing we wish we could tell everyone, every doctor, I'm not just talking about PTs, all doctors, your body is working on healing itself. Your body wants to come to a state called homeostasis, which means that all the systems of the body are in harmony. And your body is constantly working to get there. A fever is a way of killing a virus, right? right? And then bringing your body back to homeostasis. Inflammation, swelling is a way of your Alerting body us. immobilizing. Let's say you twist your ankle, your ankle swells. It's a way of immobilizing the body parts so you don't walk around on a broken ankle, right? Your body, your body is... When you're going through a healing crisis, your body just know it's working in your own best interest. Your right. body is trying to bring you back to a healing state. And all your doctors want you to know healing is not linear. So you will have days where you feel a lot better and then days where you feel a lot worse. Hmm. And then in, in this little better, better plateau and then worse and then much better. So have faith. If you've started on a health journey, on a wellness journey, um, it will not be walking every step up the mountain. It'll be up and down, up and down, but just know your body wants to get you there. Your body's working hard to get you to a state of health and you can throw all sorts of red dye number nine and crap into your body <laughs> and your body will still try to digest it. Yeah. You know, you can go without sleep. You can over or under exercise. Your body will adjust. Your body is a wonder and it is always trying to bring you back to a state of optimum health and healing. We just are there, the PTs are there to be your advocate along the way and to help you. And if a PT has done his job, he won't, you won't need him anymore. Right. You'll graduate beyond us. We'll teach you exercises. And if you say you had a back problem, you'll know how to treat it. The next time your back starts to act up, you'll remember our, your exercises you learned from us and your back will feel better. Right. That's, that's my goal as a PT is to to teach you that and then to teach you how to manage your own condition. So you ultimately don't need us. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Before we get out of here, would you just let us know where people can reach you, your website, your Instagrams, whatever you would Absolutely. like. Um, so my name is Megan. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram at mega yoga. It's M-E-G-A-Y-O-G-A. -A. And you can send me a direct message there, or you can email me mega yoga at yahoo.com. Do not make fun of me. I know it's Yahoo. I'm old y'all. I'm old. I made fun of her. It's true, but I'm old, so I'm allowed. I had, I've had one email and I can't do another. <laughs> it's a good email. It's just a Yahoo. It's old. And if, and if you're curious about um, 
plus size yoga, what I do, you can uh, buy my book on Amazon. It's called Mega Yoga. It's um, out of print now. It I did it many years ago, but it's used as a teacher training material in a lot of different yoga trainings um, around the country. And I have two DVDs, Just My Size Yoga and Mega Yoga once again. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Wow, what an interesting podcast this was. If you want to see all of my faces when she was talking about the slightly more squeamish things, then you'll definitely want to check out the video on YouTube once it's posted. Um, that should be up in a couple of days. So definitely check that out. If you thought this was a really fascinating, interesting podcast, please send it to your friends because at least for me personally, I think that it is so important that we learn more about our bodies, especially the parts that we have been told are shameful and maybe dirty or imperfect or, you know, whatever those negative stories have been that you've been told. Or maybe if you have trauma around those areas in your body, I think learning more about them, how they function, why they function the way they do. Um, I think that that is so important in terms of just being able to love your body and appreciate your body. So if you, if this podcast helped you to do more of that, then please let me know, write a review, let us know how this podcast hit you, send it to your friends, share it on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you have subscribed to this podcast. Please send it to your friends. Follow me on Instagram at Audacious Founder. All of the products that we mentioned in this episode, I have put links to in the show notes. If you were inspired to purchase any of these products or if you've used them before and you really like them, or even if you don't like them, send me a message and let me know. All right, well, stay audacious and have a great day. <laughs>